Hey, Brent. Hey, Joe. Look a little, uh, you know, very cozy in there. Yes. I've got my retro Nike fleece zipped up to it's the very max. Nice. I like it a lot. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I didn't know that uh, Bill Pope was the videographer for Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Yeah. Did you know that? How come he wasn't on Spider-Man 1, though? No, yeah, he wasn't. Um, I don't know why. But now that that said, it's like a notable difference between the first Spider-Man and the second two and third, you know? Like the videography uh, and the first you know, Spider-Man. I, I haven't actually watched in a long time, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I don't know. I, should we, I couldn't... Should we watch it now with Should the, we pause this right now viewers? and just go watch Spider-Man real quick? Uh, yeah, we might... Sp- okay. And that's okay, we'll be right back. Sam Raimi, right? Yeah, we'll be right back. We'll just get... Put the, let's all watch together. Everybody press pause. <laughs> no, just Jake Hang. Jake Hang. <laughs> um, no, I'll actually... Let's actually... like I'll do a little montage of Spider-Man real quick, and then we can come back to it. Just take a little gap. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so, you know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that you caught that. There is a significant difference between uh, Spider-Man 1 and 2 and 3. Yeah. Two and three are very similar, though. Right. Yeah. Which I'm glad we took the time to go watch those. Go three watch those three quick. films. <laughs> <laughs> Made it back before sundown. <laughs> uh, Don oh, Burgess man. did the first one. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Yeah, you do. Do I? Yep. He was a cinematographer for Forrest Gump, Castaway, and The Conjuring Two. Obviously. Okay. Um, so The Conjuring Two is the only film this side of the century that he's done. No, no, he did Forty Two, that one about okay. Jackie Robinson. He did Flight, that one where it started out with uh, it was that Denzel Washington. With Denzel Washington, yeah, yeah, but it started out with that very graphic sex scene. Remember? I do remember, but I more remember the upside down plane part. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Some people had different takeaways from Flight. <laughs> And he was also the DP for the Polar Express, which was a pivotal role okay. for him. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. Yeah. Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Okay, no. You might know <laughs> Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Let's go back to Bill Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, so Bill Pope, he did Baby Driver, Alita Battle Angel, right. Men in Black 3. I'm, su- I'm surprised he's not doing uh, the third sequel to today's film, to this episode's film. What are, you, are you listening? It looks like you're listening to what? music or something. What is so like oh, tra- transcendental? Like no. What are you talking about? Third sequel to this film? Is there Matrix another 4. Matrix coming out? Yes. I didn't know that. It's coming out next year. Yeah. <laughs> By that standard, it's coming back. It's coming out. No, in I'm serious. They started. They started shooting in like March, and then they had to shut down like immediately because of uh, co- the COVID uh, situation. But they're already back, dude. Like, I did not. In, I think they were shooting in Germany. I did not know that. Yeah, no, that's ex- you know it's who, exciting. You know who one of my favorite actors of this generation is? Keanu Reeves, yeah. Yahya Abdul-Mateen. <laughs> I'm serious. I think he okay. slays. Tell me some of his... Uh... Huh? Your, some of your, tell me some of your most uh, uh, appreciated, uh, appreciative roles done by Yaya. The first experience I had with Yaya was oh the Hiaya? I think so. It was episode two of this most recent season of Black Mirror. Oh, okay. Uh, the episode second experience I had se- was which, which episode was that? 
that was the one where they had the Mortal Kombat, but in like oh. the virtual reality. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, I think you then, could watch Flight and then that one right after each other and they like really, like, really coincide. Yeah, like. absolutely. <laughs> um, and then he was Dr. Manhattan in the Watchmen series for HBO. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and he's going to be Candyman in the newest Candyman release. Oh, you know, I'm actually pretty excited to watch that one. That yeah. looks pretty interesting. It does. Jordan Peele produced that, right? Yeah. Uh, Monkey Paw. It looks, it looks pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, um, but hey, let's uh, let's zero in on what this episode's supposed to be on. Well, yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen is in the newest Matrix. That's why I say all of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I sorry, I, I oh, can understand nice how you'd be confused about it. that. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so this week we are talking about the Matrix, the uh, 1999 classic, the season we're exploring the you know ten of our like top, or not just ours, but in general, some of the ten pivotal. Most favorite or pivotal yeah. science fiction films of the 20th century and this one clocks it comes in like right at the end of the 20th century yeah. <laughs> just before the end so um it's kind of a it's kind of nice that we get to do this one yeah yeah i agree i agree i think i think out of all of the films that we explored this season this is probably the first one i watched out of all of them Oh, this was the first one that you watched in your life, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm trying to think back of all the ones we've done. I think that's probably <laughs> true for me also. Yeah. Uh, can you remember your first viewing experience with The Matrix? Yeah. I was probably 11 years old. Hmm. So it wasn't anything <laughs> crazy. You weren't like super into it, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh uh, yeah, eleven years oh, old. Totally that would have been like five years after it came out, so it was still pretty fresh. Oh, I see. So you probably already knew about the Matrix before you watched the Matrix. Yeah, because it, gotcha. when the Matrix came out, there it was like people were talking about it. You know, I mean, yeah, we yeah. all know that it's revolutionary. I mean, even yeah. still to this day, it's revolutionary. That's interesting to me though, because how how much of a difference in age gap do we have? You're 28. I'm tw- I'm about to be 30 next month. 30, dude. Yeah, I turned 30. Well, I guess by the time this episode comes out, this month. Will you be 30 like by the time weeks. this episode comes out? No, no, it'll be like a week and a half or something like that. Are we in the future? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. five solid years. So, so okay, five years. Yeah, because I watched it when it came out. So I my. I moved with my family to the States in 1999, February. So and the you film like, came out. The first American thing no. I have to do is go You know what's see. funny? The first, the first movie I ever watched in America was Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. Yikes, and it dude. Was, uh, I'm sorry. That's as not a our kid, best work. <laughs> I was eight at the time, and I, I enjoyed I had a blast. I had no clue what the hell was going on. I'm sure I didn't you really did. know English back then. So. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I still don't really know English. But anyways. What? <laughs> Aside from that, <laughs> you know, English. my dad, my dad rented the Matrix when it came out on VOD and we watched it. And I remember we had like a VHS uh, player and we could record like old tapes, like so, so whatever was on TV over the tapes. We recorded the Matrix. I think that's VOD. illegal. So I'm, yeah, it is. But <laughs> I'm, <laughs> you talk to your dad in prison once a week. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I, I still have the tape to remember him. <laughs> it's, it's framed in your room next to a picture of your your parents and your brother. And you're like, this is all I have to remember them by. Oh, no. Oh, no, that's No, yeah, funny. but I, I do think that if I go to my parents' house today, I could probably find that tape. I think we still have it. But anyways, so yeah, that was my first experience watching The, the Matrix. And it was like totally... I mean, as a kid, you don't totally comprehend what's going on. I was eight. Yeah. So, but I mean, I remember love. I I can't. I don't. I cannot count how many times I've watched this film. So, when you watched it this most recent time, would you yeah. consider that you had like total recall when you watched it? Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, oh, no, this boy. this most recent time watching, and I watched it with my wife. Who, it was only her second time watching it, so that was a interesting experience, mostly because she wasn't paying attention. Which <laughs> is death if you're not. I mean, if you're watching The Matrix and not paying attention, you might as well just not watch it. That's the thing. Like, things would happen and you'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, no, but I, hey. Uh, no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you please. I really appreciate The Matrix. Yeah. Um, watching it this past time, I've come to the realization that I think that this is my favorite Hugo Weaving performance. Oh, I think it. I think it's like the most. Uh, Wasn't he uh, Elrond in Lord of the Rings? Yeah, but El- Elrond. How often that, do we see Elrond in Lord of the Rings? That's true. I mean, there is that cool like battle scene where he like. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Um, I, 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 yeah, for me, it's probably between this and uh, V for Vendetta, probably. Yeah, although V for Vendetta was kind of a weird scenario because. There was somebody else acting, and then that guy left, and then Hugo Weaving for most of the film was just doing like voiceover for mm. V. I so see. it's kind of a weird scenario there. So, but I mean, still, uh, he, I don't know. I, I really thought that for you it would be Captain America. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Because I'm some box office whore? <laughs> <laughs> Only because you mentioned Captain America last week when we were talk, trying to figure out uh, movies that Tommy Lee Jones was in. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, actually, I think uh, I think Captain America is probably my least favorite Avengers movie. Oh, wow. Which is, that's saying something because there's a lot of them. <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't know that he was in Happy Feet too, Or he was Megatron in uh, Transformers. Hugo Weaving. In all of them? Transformers I or guess just so. the first one? In the Transformers film series. That's what really? Yeah. He's got such a distinctive voice. Yeah, I don't I don't remember recognizing. So he must have done something different there. Yeah. Then again, he says that um he says that for uh Asian Smith, he like lowered his voice because he felt like he was spending so much time so much time with the Wachowskis that he felt like their voices were like imprinting on his character. And we're like, just he was creating this like slower, yeah, deeper. That's what I like most about his character is his voice. Like it's yeah. it's it it's like the most diverse Mr. for him. Mr. Anderson. Yeah, I, I Mr. Don't, I, Anderson. I, I, <laughs> that was awful. I thought mine was bad, but I'm glad you like followed up. <laughs> I wanted to set a baseline for everybody so they knew that. <laughs> Uh yeah, I think Mr. Anderson. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I I I was mentioning it to you a few hours ago when we were talking about recording this, and um, I'm I'm a little bit nervous recording this. I really am. 
Like it's, well, it's such a, like a beloved off, baby, film for me. 13 minutes in already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like just getting like really into full detail with this because like, I mean, this could be like a three hour conversation. Yeah, it could. Have, it could. Honestly. Um, and then it, you factor in the sequels into this and the philosophy behind those that it could really go on for a while. But yeah, realistically, a movie like this deserves like a three part series where we talk yeah. about like the special effects of the Matrix, the storyline development of the Matrix and then like yeah. production in general of the Matrix, you know, because yeah. those three things. I mean, when you think about the storyboard alone, it was like 600 like. Yeah, we were talking about. Worth uh, of, uh, we were talking about um, what was his name the 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 Dune film that never was yeah Hodorowsky's the, Dune the fourteen and a half hour Dune yeah that was all totally completely storyboarded and here we got the same issue going on here with the it, it was interesting because I was reading about it and the Wachowskis had like they wrote the the Matrix they had been working on it for a while right and um, apparently he, they were actually comic book writers I don't know if you knew this it, it was a short stint but they were doing it for a while I guess that's a oxymoron a short stint they were doing it for a while it was a short stint but it was a long time <laughs> but um, one of their friends came up to them and was like hey I want you to write like a, a, a concept for a graphic novel and just really go all out. And so this actually started as a concept for a graphic novel. And then they just kind of uh, decided to go into screenwriting. And they wrote this film, uh, a Richard Donner film called Assassins with oh, right. uh, Sylvester Stallone right. and uh, Antonio Banderas. Yep. Which wasn't very good. Uh, Richard Donner actually had uh, someone else come in. I think it was, I can't remember who it was. Uh, had someone else come in and do, did a complete rewrite of the film, of the screen screenplay. Excuse me. And the Wachowskis like tried to get their name off the screen, off the movie, off the film, and um, they just they they weren't able to get their film their name taken off the film. Um, but because of that experience, they decided they they wanted to be the director, so they had more control of their screen their screenplays. Yeah. So that's where they it, it kind of came into. So they wanted to make the Matrix, and Joel Silver was kind of like their go to producer at the time. I think he's still working with them actually, and. He went to them and they went they went to them to him and he was like, This is not gonna get made and I'm not gonna be able to get you guys to direct this. Like I I can maybe make this film, but not with you guys at the helm. Like you guys are as a first time directors, you guys are not gonna be able to make this film. Like it's not po like nobody's gonna put money towards this. Right. So that's where they come up they came up with Bound. So they actually sewed the screenplay for Bound and The Matrix and something else. I can't remember what it was three films three screenplays to try to get started they did bound it was like a critical success it was not assassins. so much commercially no not assassins oh yeah that's right yeah i think i think you're right they yeah. sold the three of them together yeah, yeah so um so yeah like uh bound was a critical success and uh not so much commercially but it because of the critical success that they got from it they were able to kind of put their name on the directorial mantle of the matrix right and go for it so i mean I, 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 it's looking back now i feel like the matrix is one of those films that like it's a miracle that ever got done right with all these different concepts that uh, all these different things that could have gone wrong i mean could you see this film be the way it is if it had another director at the helm? No way. I yeah, don't think so especially not in that time i mean there was nobody no, yeah. ambitious enough to tackle something like this no, I mean, I mean, even even like the 
if we're gonna talk just like about the fight choreography, like what it brought to like this genre, the action genre, right? Even like not just sci-fi, but right. the action itself, right? It totally blew it out of the water. I mean, these guys, the, these like wire stunts and all that, that yeah. didn't exist in Hollywood before this. Yeah, this was only done in Hong Kong. So much so that they had to go to Hong Kong to hire the people to do, like the team to help them with the wire stuff. So it, it's, I don't think another director would have thought of that. They would have just done really bland hand-to-hand combat stuff that you would see you know would probably have sylvester stallone as neo yeah <laughs> and uh freaking who uh what's his name what's another arnold schwarzenegger as right Morpheus. i can't yeah. believe <laughs> um, uh, jackie chan <laughs> even uh that, i Val mean there's Kilmer, so much maybe well i mean Will Val Smith. almost was <laughs> Can you believe that? Well, like the studio wanted Val Kilmer as Morpheus. I just can't believe that Will Smith turned it down. Well, yeah, that's. I'm glad he did though, because I mean, if Will Smith had gotten the role of Morpheus, then they probably would have gone with Val Kilmer as, as uh, or sorry, if Will Smith had gotten the role of Neo, they probably would have gone with Val Kilmer as Morpheus. And just what? Because and what a movie that would have been. No, that would have been awful because like. <sighs> Who was it? I heard somebody say it before. Like the the way Will Smith was, especially at the that was like the height of his career. Bad Boys was Wild done. Wild like, West came out around w- then, no. right? Well, I think Wild West came out after. That's I why Will Smith down, says right? that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Will Smith says that he turned the Matrix down because the Wachowskis walked in and were like, "We're gonna create a whole new like camera system for this, and everything's gonna go in slow mo, <laughs> and the bullets are gonna go slow." And he was like, "I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about." <laughs> he turned him down, and then he went and did Wild Wild West after that. So Which, terrible yeah. decision, right? <laughs> It's funny though because his wife ended up being in the sequels. Right, I know. I didn't realize. So I haven't, I haven't seen the sequels. It's almost. It's almost what? Yeah, I haven't. Oh god. I try to keep my mind pure of anything that's not original. So content. you've never. You, hold on, you've never seen the sequels. Never seen them. Never seen. But, any I mean, they kind are original Matrix. content technically. What's that? They technically the sequels are original content. They're all made from the Wachowskis. It's still no, I'm saying like uh, I try to not pollute my mind with sequels. The first of this season, well. Yeah, I don't count remakes because I'll watch that trash any day. But (laughs) (laughs) the first sequel of this season that I saw was actually just recently when I watched James Cameron's Aliens uh, under your recommendation. Hey, uh, sidebar, because I didn't know. You didn't tell me that you watched these. I know. I meant to tell you two episodes ago when we were going to talk about what we've been watching, but (laughs) we didn't do it. I know. I'm sorry. So Wait, hold on. We'll talk about it at the end of this episode. Okay. Yeah, I didn't really like it. So... Well, I guess we won't talk about it at the end. Oh my God. Anyways, listen. Um, I feel like uh, what were we talking? We're talking about Will Smith. I know. I really I, charge you with that. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. Um, it's almost like Will Smith was like, "Hey, I won't be in your movie, but if it's successful, I'll let my wife be in the next one." Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Were they married? Then? But that's not true though, because uh, yeah, I, or they were dating. I don't know. No, I don't know. But um, she actually, uh, uh, Jada Pickett Smith actually. Uh, tr- like was trying to get cast for uh, Trinity, and they even had like a screen test with uh, Keanu Reeves, and they just didn't like mesh. So oh really? Didn't work out. Yeah. Hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Anyways, that's great. Can, can you? That's the other thing. So the studio wanted the cast Val Kilmer from Morpheus, 
and the Wachowskis had to take a meeting with him, much like uh, James Cameron had to take a meeting with Arnold, Arnold even though he didn't right. want Arnold for the role. Yeah. But in that circumstance, it turned out good for the role. Like, they ended up getting Arnold for the Terminator. But in this case, the Wachowskis went to meet up with Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer had, like, a whole sit-down lunch with them and basically started the meeting off with, like, I read the script, <laughs> but what about if we made Morpheus... The main character. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> what? <laughs> and they were like, actually, we don't know that you're the right fit for this. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would have been awful. Oh, my God. I don't even remember the last time I saw Val Kilmer. I think it was. Oh, no. What was that um, oh. Swedish? What was that Swedish movie with um, Michael Fassbender? He's, he plays like a detective. Guilt? No. Have you Ice seen Man? Guilt? Guilt is He's like good. A detect- I, I have seen guilt. Shoot, what was the name of that? I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Are you looking at the doors? No, that's not it, dude. That's not. Who is the detective? Uh, Michael Michael Fassbender was it? The Snowman. That's the name of the movie. Oh, which it was a it was a trash movie because the editing was awful. That but, was um, weird. Yeah, that was not a good movie. I did not I like that. I think there was a good story there, but they just messed up. I don't know where they messed up, but it was I gotta bad. tell you. There's but anyways, Val the, Kilmer in that film. faces. Right. That kind of stuff is what we're... <laughs> I'll watch so Hereditary Val- on repeat, but <laughs> <laughs> when we get to lifeless snow faces, that's where I say Stop count it. me out. <laughs> <You're so dumb. laughs> so Listen, uh, did you watch it? The Snowman? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that it was... Uh, what origin of country did you say? I think it's Swedish. I didn't know like that. that. When I yeah. saw it, it was English. <laughs> yeah, it was done in English, but it was ba- it was like it was based in Sweden. Oh, and the story is Swedish. Now like I the get book it. is Swedish and all that. But I anyways, gotcha. that's besides the point. Val Kilmer was in that movie, and he was so bad. He was so bad that they had to do voiceover with some other actor. Why? But with his face. Why? Because he he, he was he was mumbling his words, uh, like wasn't like doing a good job. But I'm they trying kept to think of a role where like Val Kilmer. I'm trying to think of a of a role where he like played and they used his voice. He was in Red Planet, and uh, Carrie Moss was in that, which is kind of funny because The Matrix. But um, Carrie Moss, that. Carrie and Moss. Well, <laughs> I guess you could skip Anne, or is it a part of her first name? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, Val Kilmer in that uh, the the island of Doctor Moreau, which that one had its uh, fair share of uh, behind the scenes catastrophe. <laughs> what is but, it? Uh, we well, can't say stuff Dr- like that. And- Wait, you haven't seen the island of Doctor Moreau? Well, yeah, but you said behind the scenes catastrophe. Yeah, it was uh, uh, apparently Val Kilmer's terrible to work with. He's just like an awful oh, person to work with. I see. Like he's just—you'll have a hard time working with him. Basically, is what I'm saying. Um, but also, the film starred uh, what's his name? He's super famous. <laughs> oh, I uh, hate when this happens. Brad Pitt. <laughs> no. Oh <laughs> uh, shoot! What's his name? H.G. Wells. No, dude. When I say his name, you're like Marlon oh, yeah. Brando. There you go, Marlon Brando. 
Did you just guess that for real? Yep, that was the third one. I had three lined up in the chamber. Brad Pitt, H.G. Wells, the author of The Island of Dr. Moreau, and then Marlon Brando. I didn't even realize that you, you said H.G. Wells. I just know it wasn't. Yeah. No. Anyways, uh, Marlon Brando was like, this is the end of his career, right? He wasn't like... he. He didn't want to say his lines, basically, and was just making up crap to say when they were shooting. Was Marlon Brando in anything else? I'm having a hard time. <clears throat> what do you mean? You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> Dude, Marlon, it's, it's funny because Marlon Brando had like this crazy career, but towards the end there, he didn't make any any good stuff. I well, wonder again, if, I guess. if that was the pinnacle for him. If he was like... I. You know how some actors like the Godfather? take yeah. You know how some actors take roles on, and they're like, "I don't think that I'll ever do anything better than this." Yeah. Well, I mean, apparently in Apocalypse Now, he was like, he didn't read his line, like he didn't uh, like memorize his this, his lines. Yeah. And he had to be given his lines right before, like they had an earpiece for him or something like that. I can't remember or something like that. Well, I didn't know that, but yeah. I, well, I'm, maybe I'm mistaken it with Doc, the Island of Doctor Moreau and not Apocalypse Now. But I know that there was some like create. Oh, that's what it was. He like gained a ton of weight before Apocalypse Now, and he wasn't supposed to for his role because he's supposed to be a general. And he gained a bunch of weight. And uh, what's his name? The dude that directed it. Go oh, uh, we uh, we just watched that dude. Badlands. Didn't he do? No, 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 no that no. was. Uh, oh shoot, that was. Uh, Ford Coppola's. Oh, dude. You ruined yeah, it for Ford me. Coppola. Um, so Ford Coppola, all of the scenes that Marlon Brando is in, he's like drenched in shadow because he's so like fat and huge that like he didn't look like the character it was supposed to be. So he's just drenched in shadow to not look fat. He was stressed out by all the events from The Godfather. I guess. <laughs> anyway, we we're digress we're on everything about the, the for the Matrix. last <laughs> eight minutes. <laughs> Digression. Oh, all God. of that to say Carrie Ann Moss was in The Red Planet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, uh, one interesting fact that I do know about the sequels, even though I haven't seen them, is that they were shot in the same year back to back. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, apparently they weren't even looking at as looking at it as like two separate films. They were looking at it as like one story. That's crazy. So it's like they weren't even they were shooting it like you know, uh, going in. You know how like they don't shoot films chronologically. Yeah. So basically, it was like that. They were going back and forth between those two films at the same time. Yeah. It's nuts. <clears throat> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, you, when you look at the Matrix, even it's kind of crazy the way they were looking. So apparently, the first scene they shot for the Matrix was the uh, the rooftop shootout scene where like the oh, famous yeah like right yeah so the bullet time part. Uh, so that was like one of the first scenes that they shot. The first scene that they shot. The last scene that they shot, I believe, was – no, it wasn't the last scene. But it was one of the last scenes that they shot was the helicopter scene, like when they're trying to get Morpheus out of the building. So, like, they shot that scene, like multiple parts of that scene throughout the entire production part. They just kept going back to that oh, scene because it was just, like, funny different elements. They were going into the green screen area. They were going into – when uh, like because they they shot in sydney apparently and it like they were on the rooftops of sydney and they shot on location in sydney but they also did a lot of like soundstage stuff so. uh when, now that you're saying that it one thing that really blows my mind is uh when they're shooting that helicopter scene and neo is on that gun and he's yeah. just like <laughs> railing <laughs> that room 
Yeah. And Morpheus just comes out unscathed. Well, I mean, if you're literally look, collapsing around him. Right. But if you look at it, like the way Neo shoots, he shoots like in a circle. Right. But and keeps the there's no accuracy untouched. there. Bro. No, he's don't the one. bro me he's about the this. One. I'm telling he's you. He's the one. He's bro. the one, right? Neo is the one. <laughs> that, that's another thing I, I have a hard time with because I know he's the one. I get that. But at the same time, okay. you know who says that he's not the one? Neo. No. The Oracle. The Oracle. The Oracle. Um, she <laughs> is not the one. She, yeah, but the way Morpheus says it is that she told him what he needed to hear. Yep. So for she, him to do what. So he we're okay to with do. the fact that the Oracle's a liar. I mean, she only told him what he needed to hear. Right. I've heard that. <laughs> to become to become the one. Yeah, I've heard about um, that. So wait, have you not seen the sequels at all? No, I try to keep okay. my mind pure of any sort of. Uh, oh, but like at all, not ever. Wow. I couldn't do that, man. So much so that I think every film that we watched this season, I've watched it or sequels. Yeah, I believe that. Except you've for, seen all five Terminators. Except for the planet. You've seen the sequel prequel to Solaris. You've seen The Thing. You've seen... No, it wasn't a prequel to Solaris. Prequel to, the, a prequel thing. to the Thing. prequel to The Thing. Remake of Solaris. Listen. You've seen except 2010. For planet of the Apes, Space Odyssey Comes Home. Or whatever it's called. I, I, yeah, I saw that one a long time ago. Anyways, listen. No, I saw it this time. Anyways, what are we talking about here? Like, we're supposed to be talking about the Matrix, bro. And we're so apprehensive about talking about the Matrix, we've decided to just not talk <laughs> about it. Honestly. Oh, boy. Yeah, the Matrix. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. And check out the Red Planet when you have time. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I, I would go out on a limb to say that the Matrix is pretty damn perfect. It's like, pretty I don't, what? I don't, pretty damn perfect. Yeah, I think I would say that too. I I think that the first time I saw The Matrix, I probably wouldn't have said that because I didn't fully mm. understand it. But watching it this yeah. time, I completely agree. I, I mean, I can I can easily watch this with 1999 eyes and think, wow, this is groundbreaking. And yeah, I mean, there's enough storyline there to keep us captivated, and also enough special uh, effects to really wow us. You know. I mean, even aside from all of the new things, the inventiveness of this film, you could even look at the storyline itself. Like, we're at the brink of Y2K. Everybody, not everybody, but so much of the world was thinking that, like, the world's going to end. Right. Which, and, like, this film comes out saying that, like, we're all living in this, like, simulation. Yeah. It's crazy, too, that... They, like, Y2K already happened, basically. Right. It's crazy that 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 they felt comfortable enough to release that when... It was like, like the world was literally quaking during that time, thinking that there was going to be a complete crash and economic downfall in yeah. just yeah. a few months from then, you know? And all of it was because of <laughs> computerized takeover. Right. Which, so. I, which, I mean, really, if you think pretty about cool. it, the Matrix probably hits because look at what future earth looks like in the matrix right computers have taken over we're being yeah. generated by these sentient beings and drinking for their yeah. sustenance or whatever i will say that like there's there's a little bit of everything in this film for pretty much anybody i feel like that like yes it's a sci-fi film but i feel like you can be a, a, an admirer of any genre and like find something you love about this film right like i mean i, I mean it's it's 
it's similar to what we said about Alien in the sense that like this is the world, the real world, not when they're in the Matrix, but the world that they live in is so lived in. And everything is all over the place. It's not like this clean, spotless right. sci-fi future kind of thing. Right. So it's it really does give you almost like a. It's not a horror film, but it it almost gives you a sense of like horror, just like the the plot of the film itself. Right. And what it could be, especially if you look at it today, like some of uh, some of our uh, one of the some of our like smart like people in the world, <laughs> humans, are intelligent people. I got gotcha. uh, <laughs> to name one would be uh, what's the dude from Tesla? I can't remember his name. Mm. Now. I got you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. No, <laughs> Jeff Bezos. No, dude. Elon Musk. <laughs> Come on. Yes, Elon Musk. He believes, like genuinely believes, that we're living in a simulation only because statistically it makes more sense to be living in a simulation than for like the world to come into existence out of nowhere. <laughs> That's it's weighty. Like, if like somebody like that could think that way, it's like, am I grasping well, everything that I should grasp to even understand what the hell is going on in see, the world today? <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if I don't know if the sequels ever go into this, but it's obvious that the the that what we're seeing in the original Matrix is future of Earth, right? It's kind of like a Planet of the Apes style thing, but instead of apes, it's machines. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I think the Matrix is almost like compiled out of so many classic films, especially sci-fi films. If you look at it, I mean, if you look at uh, what Terminator does with like, oh, AI, we create this AI machine, and then it goes on to do this and kills us and whatever. And then you could take like the element of Tron, like plugging into a game system. You're going into something, another world, basically. So it's got that element of going into the Matrix. You're plugging into the Matrix. So I, I think there's like, I think the Wachowskis, they had, um, that's the other thing. The Wachowskis had such a like a wide um, a, array of like influence that like they used to create the story for the matrix. Like, I mean, they were into, uh, anime and Kung Fu and John Woo movies right. and all that. Right. And like all sci-fi Philip K. Dick, they even mentioned. So like all of these things that they like drew for from and to create this one big amalgamation that created this like piece of like originality that we really feel is so original and totally out of this world, totally different than anything else we've seen, in the, anything else we've seen in the past. Uh, when in fact they're just like drawing from these different places, these different wells to create something. Right, which honestly is, I think it's in a super. Ugh, excuse me, <laughs> I think that's a super approachable way to make a movie like this because what you're yeah. doing is you've got this massive red or blue pill that you want the audience to swallow, uh -huh. and it's like yeah, that's a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah. How how can we present this to them on a silver platter, for lack of a better term? So they're sprinkling in things that everybody knows. Yeah. So it's like this dystopian, uh, like, uh, loaded program of a future seems a lot more approachable to people, and people yeah, want totally. to, to absorb that content. You know, totally. And then also the way the world was then with the break of the internet. The internet had been out for what like ten plus years at that right. point. Yeah, but like, exactly. It, it was just like building on and on. Technology was like, because it. I mean, the, the, the era, the eighties and the nineties, it was a time when like technology was like making leaps and mm -hmm. bounds. 
from where it was previously. Right. So it really is something that pro- the time that this film came out, it's probably something that was kind of scary for everybody else. Which for me, it was just this like, film, this is cool. <laughs> watching this film from even last week's episode where we talked about Total Recall, it's an extreme yeah, yeah, yeah. difference. Yeah. I mean, let's look at let's look at the 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 decade before that. We look at 82's Blade Runner mm-hmm. to 90's Total Recall and yeah. there's no doubt that those were it's made It's not such a huge leap. Exactly. Yeah. Now let's look at Total Recall to The Matrix and it's just mind-blowing, you know? Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I can see previously as far as like uh the technology that they use to create the matrix the only thing i can see that they they can that kind of like holds up to what the matrix did was terminator 2 with the uh the liquid uh right terminator right uh, the the t-1000 yeah the t-1000 the effects they did for that i think it holds up to what we see when neo touches the mirror and then it kind of like goes through his whole i think so too system it kind of it's the same effect but what the matrix does from there on, like everything else that it does, it's incredible. Yeah. It's totally outside of what technology was doing before then. Yeah. And it's amazing that like the Wachowskis, they were, I mean, this was their second film and bound their first film was like, I'm pretty sure this film was made for like 40, 40 times the amount that not, not 40, four times the amount that bound was. Oh yeah. What they have a $60 million budget for this, right? it's, It's crazy. Yeah. Which it's funny because you you were mentioning Bill Pope at the beginning of the episode, and uh, so the original cinematographer that they hired for uh, Bound, uh, they they had a, such a, a small budget for Bound that they were really trying to figure out how they were going to shoot everything. Yeah, and the cinematographer that they hired for Bound was like, "I can't do this, and I, I don't I don't think you'll find anybody who can do this and a crew that can do this for the amount of money you're you're asking." And Bill Pope came in and is like, "Yeah, I know some cheap guys." Yeah, <laughs> and does it, and then he comes on Matrix, and it's funny because the Wachowskis brought him the Matrix, and we're like, okay, so we're going from Bound, this like six million dollar, maybe less, uh, whatever, six million dollar film, and now we're going into the Matrix, doing this sixty million dollar film, and Bill Pope was like, you guys, are you sure? You don't want to go like to a twenty million dollar film first, and then like make another jump and right. slowly get there. And they're like, no. And it's crazy because like the Wachowskis, you see some like behind scene behind the scenes footage for this film, and they look like kids. Like the way when they're they, dressed, right. they're not really like professionals. They're just like going for it, and they're like, but they have a vision. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. Like they knew exactly what they wanted. Yeah, it's funny because I was I was listening to. Uh, uh, interview with Keanu Reeves and Keanu Reeves was like, yeah, so with The Matrix, it was interesting because you would come in and the Wachowskis are looking for one specific shot. Per every scene, there's one shot that they're looking for and they will spend hours looking for that shot. When they find that shot, everything else lines up. And it's like, it, they're just like, they really are like, I don't I don't know. It, it's Sounds funny because like it's two, Yeah, I know, right? And it, it's But it's funny because it's two two guys and they like, they're brothers, yeah. Well, they were brothers. I don't know. <laughs> they're siblings. <laughs> so they're siblings. <laughs> so I guess maybe that's a little easier to understand since you grew up together. Right, yeah. So you know what the yeah. other one's thinking. But at the same time, like, uh, like still, it's two people with two different thoughts and two different, like, ways of thinking. But it's interesting because they almost, like, lean on each other. Because I was watching uh, behind-the-scenes behind uh, footage, and one of them wanted to do one thing for the camera. 
and the other one like while they're setting up he's like what if we what does it look like if we do this and then they do it and then he's like yeah i think we should do that and the other one's like yeah let's do it <laughs> like yeah. like no conflict at all they were just like yeah like dude it's so funny though because like i don't know what it is about filmmaking but even when we think about other like sibling partnerships like that that's what you always hear like the nolans oh yeah that's true brothers the russo brothers brothers, like i've heard about that with the coens a lot like that they just like know and not only that but they also rely on each other on like what to do that the other one may know better so it's just like total faith in what the other's doing that it's just crazy yeah i mean uh even um uncut gems uh, oh, the Safdie brothers, dude. That yeah. the Safties flow like liquid with each other, dude. They yeah. they they are on a completely different wavelength as far as like understanding goes. It's like it's like Josh and Benny completely get what the other's looking for, and yeah. and when somebody presents something, it's like absolutely, let's roll with it. Yeah, for sure. They're interesting ones to be looking out for too. Yeah, I think so. They've only done two films, right? Well, two yeah. Or three. I mean, Uncut Gems and Good Time, and then there's a couple of shorts sprinkled in there. But yeah. I mean, even like Ari Aster, he had, he's, I would consider him up and coming still. And yeah, yeah, yeah. he had like nine or 10 short films before he made Hereditary. Mm-hmm. And a few of those short films gained traction. He made Hereditary, and that, that was a blow up. Like he, right. he, that was, that was a profitable movie for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, it's the Safety it, Brothers, un- uh, or good time was like their first thing. Yeah, I think that's great. It, it's 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 interesting, and it almost makes me nervous because uh, the Matrix was like their, you know, they wanted to do this thing before Bound even. So it's like it was one of their first like real projects, and it was like only their second film. Right. And it's still like I feel like it's the bar that they set for themselves that they weren't able to like totally live up to. Because, I mean, the sequels to this, you haven't watched them, but the sequels to this, they they aren't as good as The Matrix, in my opinion. Because The Matrix, and it's not that, it, it, we mentioned how, like, in the in Total Recall, uh, the, the payoff didn't match the setup. Like, the setup was so much better than the payoff. Whereas, it, you could say that, um, I, and there's, I don't know, it's just like, they go so much into the philosophical areas of what The Matrix could be and, like, how it interti- intertwines with, like, humanity. Um, which is interesting. It's very interesting, but it doesn't make for a good film because they just like delve into it and like almost reject everything else well, to like totally focus on that, especially in Revolutions, the third film. Um, and it, it, it's 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 cool and it's really cool and it's really good to watch those films and digest them and, you know, figure out things with them. But I just feel like it could have been a more interesting film and it could have been a better film. You know what I mean? Like, Let me ask you sense? this. Uh, in the sequels, do they go into any more information about what humanity looks like now? Because yeah, we, so we get a small we, glimpse of that in the original right. Matrix. All, but Right. In the, in the Matrix, all we see is the Nebuchadnezzar, right? But right. They do mention Zion, right. the city that's close to the core of the Earth yep. and whatever. Um, so in, Revo- in Reloaded, the second one, you see Zion uh, a good amount. You get to, you know, m- meet all these other characters in Zion. Um, and then in Revolutions, almost the entire film takes place outside of the Matrix. Oh, really? It's almost entirely in the real world, both both in Zion and outside Zion. So, um, What is outside Zion? Just humans? Just like, 
No, like all those tunnels to get to the surface of the earth and the machine city and all that stuff. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's a really cool concept. The Wachowski's really made something really incredible and really original. But there is that whole, like, I feel like as a film, it doesn't live up to what, like, a film should do as far as entertainment and uh, that give you that, like, outside of yourselfness right. that, I would, that I would want from a film. Um, it, no, it's really cool. It's really intricate, but it's oh, it's almost too intricate. It's very difficult to like comprehend. You have to watch like multiple, multiple, multiple times to really yeah. understand the gist of it. Um, I but, can get that. I didn't. I don't feel that way about the original Matrix. I think that no, yeah, yeah I yeah. think they gave us just enough complexity to where it's super easy to absorb. It's funny because <laughs> you mentioned that like it's not it's not hard to to comprehend what the Matrix is and what it what it's trying to say. Um, but most of the producers that were first reading the screenplay didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> like the Wachowskis say that they walked into a meeting with Warner Brothers and they were like, I think we got a really cool script here, but we don't really know what's going on. <laughs> and it's like, it's funny because Morpheus, uh, Morpheus, that's not his name. Lawrence Fishburne. Morpheus. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne says, like, in an interview, he's like, all these people that say they didn't understand the Matrix, like, I don't know what they're on about. I got it totally fine. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes it totally sense. makes sense, yeah. It all fits in, into this really intricate puzzle, but it's not that intricate that, it, like, it takes you months and months to really put it together, you know? My, my... Whereas the sequels have that a lot more. It's a lot more intricate. My question is... What we're seeing in the Matrix as Earth is a future Earth, right? Yes. So I think if I'm if I'm I don't want to give you any like too much clues because I think you should watch the sequels. Oh, yes, I will. Really but good. Thank you. They are good in their own right. Um, but I, I believe if I'm doing the math correctly, I think there's about 600 years from uh, what the Matrix the year, Earth looks like. Okay. Basically. Okay. Yeah. So. <sighs> It's yeah. groundbreaking. It's a groundbreaking concept. It's, it's, it's really, really it's, good. It's, I mean, we haven't even talked about the groundbreaking special effects, like com right. computer-generated animation and, I mean, the bullet time effect in general, which is used, I mean, all over the place today. All yeah, over. totally. All over. Matt, I mean, it, it, you could... You could like just list off so many films that would not have been made if The Matrix, or at least wouldn't have been made in the same time frame way it was created right I, I mean if you look at like some of the films are good some of them are bad equilibrium max Payne, uh blade Whoosh. Bl uh, yeah well i mean blade i think blade come out before that no dude yeah dude blade came out in the mid 90s i think dude blade yeah With also it was a marvel Snipes? comic before that so huh it was a marvel comic before that um no, but yeah I the concept you're talking about in the film yeah 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 um, no, I totally agree with you. 1998. The, yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, you were right. Okay. Um, no, yeah, there's a ton of films that just like, oh, I mean, there was a whole, it's, it's funny because I feel like before this, there wasn't that much interest into like uh, bringing anime or like main, like the, those like Japanese or like even the Chinese films, the Hong Kong films. Like the way that they create, like the fight sequences, you know, you, right. you watch like uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that kind of stuff. Yes, you don't, you don't, you didn't see stuff like that in American filmmaking. No, before The Matrix, The Matrix really like split, split the thing open, and it's just like wide open. Everybody's doing it. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's, especially like right right there in the, in the that period. Yep, that two, yeah, like two thousand early, early yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's crazy. Full it, of it. Yeah, two thousand eight even. If you want to stretch it that far. Yeah, it's crazy that like uh, after the Matrix came out, so many things started to be produced by that. Like that. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if the American like. Uh, market just realized that's what people wanted in that period and they were like let's i mean kind of like the sci-fi genre when like et came out and then the thing came out and it's like all these things are coming right, out all yeah. together it's like people yeah. want people want approachable friendly aliens let's make the thing because that's what people want they, people I mean, want hey, teeth you gotta you gotta think about it too eyeballs. like <laughs> Everybody was getting computers now at that time. Everybody right. was starting to get like personal computers and right. logging into the internet and seeing these things that were happening on the other side of the world that wasn't happening here in America, you know. So uh, I think it's a, uh, I think it really is like it was one of those perfect timing things. I feel like with the Matrix, it was almost like ahead of its time in the um, in the culture that it set out to like yep. portray, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like the the variety of cultures that it picked from to create the Matrix, I feel like it really did was ahead of its time. It was almost like they were on the cusp. And if if the Wachowskis hadn't been there to like be the ones directing that and like making something like that, I think that what we would have seen is a ton of like short films and newer people coming into the fray, creating these new things that Hollywood wasn't doing yet. You know what I mean? So I think it was one of those those things that was just like right time, right moment. Yeah. Right, right, right. Pieces directors. fell into yeah. their, yeah, exactly. Everything fell into their laps just perfectly that yeah. they were able to like, create this. Because if it was another director making this, we would have seen, we would have seen like, just like a bunch of like shooting gun films right. that we had already seen yeah, exactly. all across the nineties. Exactly. You know, exactly. It just wouldn't have been. Uh, it, it would have been much less of a sci-fi film than The Matrix. It really is. You know what I mean? Yeah, which, like we said, launched been an entire new genre of sci-fi after that. Yeah. Computer sci-fi yeah. was what we saw next, you know? I mean, yeah. there's a crazy amount of like computer sci-fi movies that came out after that. Yeah. Uh, just to name a few, like you were before, you said... You, you had said, like... Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Minority Report is one that was like very close to like right after that. Oh, 2000, like, I think, right? 2001. Was it 2000? 2001, 2002, yeah. something. So, I mean, it, there, there's plenty. I, I'm, Dude, if you, wow. you want to take, take like, it, is like direct influence of the Matrix. I, I feel like it, there's a lot of influence there. I, I mean, but even if you go outside of the sci fi genre, I think we can totally uncap that because I don't think we would have seen the 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 born films the way they were made the sure. way yep. if it wasn't for this like the kind of fighting and the fights choreography in the born films wouldn't have been done the same way the use of the uh, of uh, mind altering drugs is also yeah in well I mean the I don't movies. know about that because the born films came from a series of novels from the seventies I think so maybe the born movies influenced, influenced the Wachowski Matrix yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah possible yeah. I mean, all that to say that I, I don't know if I would have taken the red pill, though, because I really like steak. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no, I, seeing I, what I, I love Cypher in this film, by the way. Cypher is one of my favorite characters. I, it's just like it's so easy to hate him in, in a good way. Like He's a great character, I feel like. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Uh, that that guy Cipher, who the guy who played Cipher, he was in one of the movies that we most recently brought up, uh, U.S. Marshal. Oh yeah, yeah. He wasn't he the uh, bad guy in that? No, too? he was one of the. He, no, he was a good guy. Yeah, he was the one bad of, guy. Was Colin Farrell <laughs> in U.S. Marshal, dude? In U.S. Marshal, dude. Colin Farrell was like the bad guy. He was a double agent, basically. Dude. Oh, dude. I just gave spoilers what? to everybody just now. <laughs> I thought Wesley Snipes was the bad guy. He was no, no, Wesley off that Snipes. Waterfall. Right. But he was like more of the protagonist, right? He's getting away from the U.S. Marshals, but he hadn't done anything really. He was innocent. <laughs> Can we and, say the fugitive? Hello. And Colin Farrell. Well, I mean, U.S. Marshals <laughs> is the sequel. Isn't it a sequel? <laughs> and Colin Farrell was like the U.S. Marshal who was like a double agent, basically. Dude, are you sure? You I'm 100% are, off. You I'm, are wrong. I'm, you no, I'm are right, wrong, dude. dude. I'm 100% correct on this you one. You are wrong. I'm 100% right. Dude, I am looking at it right now, and Colin yeah. Farrell is not even in U.S. Marshals. Stop it. I'm serious. Stop it. I'm serious. No, dude. I'm so mad Ooh. if you're right. What are you talking about? Sorry, Robert Downey Jr. What? Colin Farrell, dude, dude. I thought it was. I thought it was Colin Farrell in that role. I don't know why. Robert, it was young Robert Downey Jr. He must look like Robert uh, Colin Farrell to me. Yeah, <laughs> young young prison does a Robert lot to Downey. people. No, yeah, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is the bad guy in that one. Sorry, I guess it wasn't a. Um, I guess it wasn't. I you know what a spoiler but now it is <laughs> I can see I can see how you would think that young RDJ looks a little bit like uh Colin Farrell Colin Farrell in the Minority Report even yeah wow dude wow <laughs> oh there you go you're thinking um, of Agent Renfro sure I don't remember his name <laughs> he was in uh, Memento. Dude, I forgot that uh, that Cipher was in U.S. Marshals. Interesting. Hey, um, I thought I thought that the mu the music in this was really interesting. Yeah, I and it's so funny because I felt like the music was almost more of like a. I I, I had a hard time sometimes picking out. Sorry, I just burped there. <laughs> I had a hard time sometimes. Uh, picking out the soundtracks from the sound design because the sound is the soundtracks felt so much like uh these like machine like oh engineered software kind of thing sounding things but you know what's interesting is that uh, like 90 percent of the sound used in the soundtrack was made from orchestral instruments and it sounds totally like like computer generated computerized sounds. yeah yeah it's an, it's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, I didn't Anyways. know that. That is incredible. Uh, it's really I, really cool. I liked. Uh, I liked how uh, environmental or organic the the score for the Matrix was. Like you're saying, I like that it I, that yeah, it yeah. kind of meshed into the machine sounds yeah. because, uh, I mean, it felt like we were entering the matrix when the score came on like it was it wasn't it wasn't like there was a score as much as it was like just the natural progression of what should right. be next you know it's interesting you even mentioned that like natural sounding thing because they were they were really going for that across the board with this film so much so that like 
the uh, set design elements in the film. Like, for example, in the Nebuchadnezzar, there are wires going across the Nebuchadnezzar, and some of them are red and some of them are blue. And they're trying. What they were trying to do there is like represent like arteries and blood, like blood vessels and right. things like that. Like kind of coinciding with like the human, like that there's there's machines, but there's also this element of humanity within all these right. things. So right, it's really interesting how yeah. they, they it's it's these things that you don't really pick out, but it's all there. Yeah, for you I to think, like really pick it out. I think that is just another way that they made it uh, attainable or approachable yeah, to yeah, its yeah. audience. Yeah, when yeah. you give it that human 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 itty, when you give it that human itty, <laughs> when you give it that humanity. People are like, yeah, wow. Uh, Christopher Nolan said about The Matrix, an incredibly palpable mainstream phenomenon that made yeah. people think, what if this isn't real? You know what's interesting? You mentioned um, you mentioned Christopher Nolan because I totally see Inception as like having influence from The Matrix. That is so funny. That is so funny because here's what I thought first. <laughs> Total Recall – uh-huh. had direct influence on Inception. But uh-huh. I come from the camp now of believing that Total Recall had direct influence on The Matrix and The Matrix had direct influence on Inception. Yeah, it could be. It's just crazy now that we've gone on this journey to see, I mean, it, you yeah. know? It, it, it is interesting having like come from, you know, the what was it? Planet of the Apes 1968, I think. Like just coming through these decades, yeah. seeing all these films, seeing what like how the sci-fi genre, genre has uh, had this evolution, not only in the and uh, some of the concepts in the plot, but like so much so even in technology. And I guess that's across all film if you really want to take a look right. at that, right? Because and entertainment in general, like in general, yeah. But when it comes to like what sci-fi can do as a genre, creating these like other worlds that it's so much more than just like what you're shooting right right or what you're shooting with but right. like these set designs and what they the complexity of the plot and like what you can create coming from like planet of the apes to now it's like it's so bizarre <laughs> what's, almost looking back what's so crazy is like there are but seeing all that influence because it really does come from like planet of the apes to then 2001 solaris you can really see like this like evolution in parts it's like there's two major uh, subgenres or 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 world building themes that that all of these films kind of like uh, influence each other off of. We see now, obviously, Planet of the Apes is coming from an adaptation, so that that idea is coming from like literature. Right. But we see a dystopian universe, like a dystopian future where yeah. the world has kind of gone to shambles. You know what I mean? And then there's space. And then there's dystopian future. Yeah. And then there's space. <laughs> but it's like, it's like, it's like dystopian future is constantly evolving. You know, dystopian future yeah. is so, uh, it's so easy to today to think, oh, you know, humanity has evolved from apes once. Now uh-huh. apes are going to evolve again and humanity is going to be distraught. So simple in 1968 to think the only future for the world is another evolution of animal instinct, you know? Yeah. yeah. But now in 1999, we're seeing evolution of machine and humanity. Machines, yeah. And like, it's like, it's like there's one layer in Planet of the Apes 
And now there's like 12 layers, even in the sequels, yeah. like you say, it's like we're we're peeling back another layer of what could the matrix be and what yeah. could dystopian future look like, you know, even in uh, Terminator, like it, it's easy to see that the matrix had influence on the dystopian machine future that the Terminator had created. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, what we see in Nebuchadnezzar and that kind of, of world in the original matrix is like the oppressive dystopian future of the Terminator. And it's very similar. Yeah. It, yeah, it does. Yeah. It's like one big Lego set. Sci-fi is you just it's keep pretty, putting pieces on until it's there's a pretty this great, it's a pretty great genre. I don't know how people don't love sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see I can see an audience of people who are looking for something that's like mentally uh like multi-layered, like the first reformed genre or the, you know, hereditaries or something like yeah. that. You know, just yeah, yeah. The ones that really cause people to think and feel and you know, sci-fi is fun, but the Matrix, like you said, influences across genres, lines. Really, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, The Matrix causes philosophers even. When I read some of these reviews, like we had philosophers talking about the spiritual and philosophical influences that The Matrix right. can have on I mean, thought processes of humanity. Like, yeah, that's the other thing. It's uh, Not only was religion an influence on The Matrix, across the board, uh, you have influences there from Christianity to to Islam and right. so forth. Uh, uh, but then you, again, like what you're saying, it could totally create this whole different mindset in the people in the audience who watch it. Like, how come this can't be true? It could. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Elon Musk opened a, right, yeah. a whole church <laughs> devoted to like... Scientology. The sim simulation. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. man! Yeah. Hey, um, it's <laughs> sorry. It's crazy. Uh, did you know that they won four Academy Awards? You know, I I realize that now in this journey that I'm I'm scrolling through the Wikipedia page. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty incredible. It's incredible best for film a editing, film. best sound editing. Yeah, best sound mixing, best visual effects. Which if it didn't win a visual effects, I would be like, well, yeah. I don't know how it wouldn't win best visual effects. I'd be curious to know what it was up against in that category for that year. Yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you but right I, now. Okay, go ahead. Heck, I'll tell you right here. Star Wars okay, Episode One and Stuart Little. That's it, just two? Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Um, um, one thing yeah, that was by said, far so much better. One thing that was said about The Matrix was uh, actually – oh, who said it here? Oh, Simon Peck. He said mm. the Matrix was the excitement and satisfaction in sci-fi that the Phantom Menace of that year failed to deliver. It was like, oh, he yeah. was like everybody was expecting the Phantom Menace to be another New Hope or Empire Strikes Back, and yeah, yeah. the Matrix swept. That's it a up. great way to put it. Yeah, that's yeah, a great Simon way to Pegg, put it. Yeah, a philosopher of his own. It's funny that you mentioned the uh, Star Wars because. Uh, I was watching an interview with Joel Silver, and he said that when they Joel were Silver to produced how, the Matrix, right? Producer of the Matrix, right? Yeah, uh, of how, sorry, <laughs> of how they were trying to plan out how they were going to do the visual effects for the, for the Matrix. They went to all these big 
uh, companies, including ILM. Right. And all of them were like, this is impossible. You are going to need to create a whole new technology to do it. And we just don't know how to even get started on that. <laughs> and then they went to this guy, John, uh, what's his name? Pope? No. Bowden. John. No. John Gaden, I think, is his name. John Bowden was a Robocop and Total Recall. <laughs> no, that was, uh, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> he did um, all the visual effects for those two. I believe it's Gaden, his name. Anyways, he was like, yeah, we could do this. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> and he was like this kind of like a, it wasn't small by any means, but he wasn't like this huge corporation with like right. power behind it, you know? Right. And he just went for it and just got this thing done. <laughs> it's funny because they were shooting. So like they had the idea of how they were going to do these visual, like the, the bullet time, for example. Right. They, he had the idea of how they were going to do it. He thought he could do it, but he wasn't a hundred percent sure. So when they went on set to shoot those scenes, they, had like backup plans in case what they plan on doing wasn't going to work but i mean i thank god it worked because that's incredible what they did with the still images absolutely to create that whole bullet time effect it's, it's incredible yeah i completely agree i completely agree it, um, I mean, it is it is groundbreaking it's groundbreaking yep. groundbreaking yeah totally. absolutely um hey uh sound mixing i was watching an uh uh another interview with the the Lead sound mixer, uh, I believe his name's Greg, Greg Rudolph, Rudolph, Rudloff, and uh, yeah, 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 sure, Rudloff, <laughs> and yeah, anyways, <laughs> close enough. Yep, he said, uh, just to give an example, uh, the scene where you see the the baby inside that like, uh, red, like crap that they live inside that the the human embryos the creation chamber inside the the chamber whatever yeah (laughs) so the baby that scene that we see the baby on there and you see like this like cool like almost like an aperture a thing that in the lens like close yeah and it's like this gate that closes to keep all that liquid in right so like in the in that little liquid uh the closing of the chamber just that itself, there was like over like fifty elements to create the sound that oh, that created. Oh, really? Yeah, just like they were so meticulous about every little aspect of this film when it came to the sound design. Dude, I got to tell you, when I think about editing a film, like, like cutting together, yeah, yeah, yeah. that seems approachable to me. Like the, I, I like feel the sound like design? I could edit a film. Like you know what's interesting because visually, the- when I think about sound editing a film. It's- blows my mind like i'll, I can't, I'll look up timelines from, from every so often just to be like the timeline for you know uh james bond movie for instance and i'll think oh that's not too overwhelming like i could cut all that together like i could see no. how to cut those together but when i, I think about sound design oh, mind-blowing I mean, I, I've, I've done the same thing i've looked at like timelines to see timelines to see how they they edit it together and you'll see like Two to maybe like five like video layers, right? And you'll see like forty, tw- yeah, yeah, exactly, forty <laughs> like layers audio of layers sound. just everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's how how much the audio. It's funny. I was watching an interview. I did a bunch. I watched a bunch of interviews for the, for this film, and I was watching an interview of the film editor Zach Steinberg. 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 I don't know. Steinberg. Sure. <laughs> and he says that um, the way he edits his films. He'll never put on the sound design on there when he's editing. Oh, really? He'll do he'll do a full visual like, first draft yep. with just the visual because he feels like the the sound is always going to elevate the film. The sound is always going to make the film look better. Right. 
So he he doesn't want to use it as a crutch unless he needs that crutch. Right. So like if it comes to a point when he's editing and he's like, this this isn't totally working. I need something to help me with this here. That's when he'll lean on the sound. But otherwise, he'll always try to edit totally just just a film, no sound, because he knows that once he puts the sound design in there, it's it'll just totally elevate the film yeah. and it'll be even better than what he already made it. So that's that's an interesting way to t think about it because whenever I edit anything, I always try to put this. Right. I do it you all like little too, by right. little. Yeah, exactly. Putting all of the sound in yeah. until I get to the end. Well, see, and that and was like that was one thing I was curious about. Uh, like when when we talked to that uh, composer, like when when oh yeah, we when, had that uncut gems episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was like that was I was curious about how he approaches composition in general like if he is composing to a finished film product or if he's just generating yeah, a composition yeah, yeah. and then that's cut into finished work yeah. I, I always i find that i and then i realize people just do it differently everybody yeah everybody does it has their own way yeah all of that to say the matrix pretty pretty good revolutionary reloaded a, even <laughs> i mean it probably created a revolution yep. even yeah <laughs> just reloaded people's trust in computers right um no yeah it's a uh, the, the movie's all right a real lord of war <laughs> hey uh a question before we end uh, end this uh this uh yes. episode this is our final episode of the season and uh, we this is our 10th episode this season and i kind of wanted to get your pick your brain here after we've watched some of beep these films beep that beep we beep have watched before yep. and some of these films that were our first time watching them yeah um what's your top three out of these last 10 yep that's an easy one for me yeah, go yeah. ahead. Solaris, 2001 okay. A Space Odyssey, and I think The Matrix is third. The Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that it's a hard one for me. I I have a hard time. Yeah, I know because you're you're a you're a sci-fi uh, glutton. You like all of them. You'll eat them all. Uh, but <laughs> I, I think you're right. Uh, 2001 probably would be number one. I think Blade Runner second. Oh shoot, Blade Runner. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then I, 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 it's either between – no, it's the Matrix third. I was going to say it's either Solaris or the Matrix. No. It's Matrix and then Solaris, yeah. It's got to be the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Matrix, what it did – not only that, but like it's got a, this – I got – I got – I have – I've lived life with Matrix. You know what I mean? Like Yes. It's It's been there. I watch it consistently. Yeah, exactly. Every, every year, every other year. Like yeah. it's there. Exactly. And it doesn't ever like let me down. <laughs> Never lets you down.